Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, good morning. My name's Kenny, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here at Home Church. We're, we're glad you're hanging out with us today. Um, and I don't know if you've uh, ever bought a piece of land or uh, maybe looked at some raw land before or even like a construction site. Uh, more likely than not, you've probably seen something that looks a little bit like this. Uh, it's a stake, uh, and it's a, it's a marker, really, in a, in a lot of ways. Like, you see these because what they do is uh, they put this stake in the ground, and it starts to outline and give shape and mold and form to the, to the land and to the place where someone is eventually going to build and operate and, and do whatever, right? And so the, the stake is really a marker. Uh, it marks out property lines. It, it marks out kind of this idea of where you want to be, and it gives some scope to what's about to be there. Now, uh, a stake is also symbolic in a lot of ways, right? Uh, it's symbolic because its distinctive image, right, is that someone has put hammer to this and put it into the ground and laid claim to that piece of ground, saying, hey, this is, I'm marking it out. I'm marking this corner. I'm marking this place. And they've, they've said that this is the place where I'm going to be, right? And so there's this beautiful imagery that comes with this idea of a stake in the ground. And I want you to see that, and I want to talk through that today a little bit, because there's this powerful idea in this concept that also we see in Scripture, that uh, the, the people of God, that they would actually put together a, a tent where they would gather with God and they would have to put stakes in the ground to, to raise the tent and that's where they would meet with God. It was called the tent of meeting. And the cool part about that is because they had to put stakes in the ground to hold it, but it also marked the place where they knew, no matter what was going on, that they could go to that place and that's where they could meet with God because that's where his presence resided. It's this beautiful thing, and, and so today we're going to step into a series, a brand new series called Stake in the Ground, and the whole idea is around this idea that we want to take a look at our lives, and we want to put stakes in the ground, both symbolically and literally, around the things that we believe, the things that we want to stake our life by, the, the, and mapping out the area that we want to ultimately lay claim to in our life. We also want to do this as a part of our church as well. We, what we want to do is we want to set the corners of beliefs that we have, uh, not only in our individual lives, but corporately as a house through this series as well. At the very beginning of the year, we said that we wanted to set out and focus on doing what Matthew chapter 7, uh, where Jesus taught there, that if you build your house on the solid rock, on, the on good foundation, that when the wind comes and the storms uh, batter, that ultimately the house will stand because it's built on the rock. But he gave warning that if you build your house on the sand, that ultimately it will collapse and crumble. And so he called it that that would be foolish. And so at the beginning of the year, we set out to build our house, both individually, spiritually, and corporately, to build our house on the rock, the solid foundation of who Christ Jesus is. We just got through walking through a six-week series called This Is Our God, and if you missed any of that, you should go back and check it out. All of those are available on YouTube. Uh, we also do a podcast form. You can go back and listen to any old sermons. But the idea of that series was to lay the foundation of which we would build our house, knowing who our God is. 
And so this series really is a continuation of that. And so the idea is that, I don't know if you've ever been to the beach, but when you put a stake in the ground on sand, uh, a little bit of wind and stuff might, it could pull it away. But if you put a stake in the ground on solid rock, it ain't going anywhere. And that's where we want to lean in. Each week, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at one of four corners of the tent that we want to resurrect, that we want to build, both in our lives and in the life of of our church. And so I want to invite you, if you're here today, I'm so glad. I want to invite you to make a plan to try to come back every single week in this series so that you get the full scope and to lay out all of the four corners of your life that I believe that Christ is calling us to. And along this journey, as we go through it individually, we're also going to be laying out and teaching the four corners of the beliefs and the values that we have as a house as well. I think it's going to be really impactful. In fact, one of the things that I've, I've been saying as we've been sharing this is I believe this is going to be the most important series that we've ever went through as a church. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're hanging out with us today. You chose a great day to be with us. If you're watching online, we're glad you're here. And uh, man, it's going to be a really awesome day. So with that being said, I'm not going to be before you a long time today, just about three and a half hours. Uh, we, asked the, we asked the school for a little extended time today. They said yes, so, um, so it's going to be good. Um, and so today, we're going to start out talking about a stake in the ground. And the stake in the ground that we're going to talk about today is this, is the, the stake that we want to make sure that you have put in the ground is the stake of your heart. It's the stake of your heart. And so I want to tell you about the stake of the heart of our church that over three years ago when we planted this church, that we put a stake in the ground on what we believe, the heart of our church, the thing that drives us, the thing that motivates us, the thing that is like our deepest desire as a house that we want to see come to life and come to fruition. We put it in the form of a statement, and it's actually going to show up right here on the screen, and the statement is this, is this is, what, this is our heart as a church, the stake that we've put in the ground is to reach people far from God and teach them how to live as they follow Jesus step by step, right? This is the stake that we've put into the ground for our church. This is the thing that we believe. This is who we are, all right? This is what we're chasing after. And so today, I'm gonna teach through some things, and uh, if the screens don't work, it's totally fine. This is a great reason for you to download the Home Church app, because in there are all the notes and the scripture that you're gonna need today. You can follow right along. All you have to do is search Home Church NC in whatever app uh, process that you use. It's for sure gonna show up way easier and way faster in the Apple apps, uh, but, you know, totally fine. But this was, this was the first stake that we put in the ground, the heart of our church. It's, it's been the anchor of, of really who we are. And so I want to take a minute and kind of like teach this to you today because I think it's also going to challenge us individually as well. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to join me in two places. You can go to Matthew chapter 28, go to Matthew chapter 28, and then mark that, and then uh, you can also mark Acts chapter 2, okay? Matthew chapter 28 and then Acts chapter 2. So as you're getting to Matthew 28, I want to set you up, right? So uh, Jesus, who is God's one and only son, who came to earth and lived a perfect life, he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he ultimately claimed to be God and was uh, put on trial, convicted and crucified, put to death for those claims. While he hung on that cross and paid the price for your sin and mine, ultimately, he literally he, he, he made everything possible for you and I. They took him off the cross. They put him in a tomb. He laid there for three days. Three days later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this Jesus got back up out of the grave. 
defeating death, hell, and the grave. He walked the earth for 40 more days, making himself physically seen and known to many people. There are eyewitness testimonies that have written to that fact. And then Jesus ascended into heaven, where right now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, waiting for the moment to come back and receive his bride, those who believe in him. And so right before Jesus ascended into heaven, this is after his death and after his resurrection, he meets with his disciples, these uh, guys who have been following him for the last three years of his life. They saw him ultimately put on trial. They saw him crucified. They saw him die. They saw him buried. They saw him raised again. And finally here, right before he ascends, he gives them this one last piece of calling, this mission that he sends them on. I want you to see this. This is Matthew chapter 28, and it starts in verse 18. It says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I want to break down this like vision statement that we have. And the first part is to reach. And it's ultimately, it's part of what Jesus calls us to do here. And so it might may lead you to ask the question, well, why do we want to reach people? Uh, I, I think oftentimes when you set out on a mission, one of the things that as people are going, sometimes they go because it looks awesome. Sometimes it, it, they go because of people that they know who are walking that journey. And, but maybe you start along the path and you're like, yo, what are, where are we actually going? What are we trying to accomplish here? And so when I say as a church, this is kind of who we are, we want to reach people far from God, I think it's a fair question for you to ask, why? Why, are you, why do you want to reach people? And it's simply this, it's because we want them to see, feel, and experience the love, hope, and joy that we have found in Christ Jesus. We want, we want that for people. For as many people as we can tell and reach, we want that for them. Because I don't know if you've experienced any part of life lately, but it's difficult out there. Times are hard. There's not a whole lot of hope. People don't walk around with a lot of joy. Don't nobody love their neighbor anymore, right? There's a whole lot out there that might make us question what's going on. And so this is what we want to give to people. There are people who wander this world every day with no hope, no joy, no love. They are seeking and hoping for some of these things. We want to tell them, oh, by the way, not only can you have it, we know where you can find it. We want to reach people, right? And so oftentimes people look at their lives and they want these things because they have no purpose. They find, they find no, no hope in life, nothing to really chase after. And many times they ask themselves, like, why am I even living? And some of them literally ask the question, why do I keep living? And this is why we want to reach people. And the reason that we want to reach people is simply this. It's this idea that when the heart changes, everything changes. I want you to hear this. This is important. When the heart changes, everything changes. Uh, so I want to I show you this scripture. So if you have your Bible, slide over to Acts chapter 2, because I want you to see this moment when the, it, this literally shows up in this way, where people's hearts start to change and everything starts to shift. I want you to see this, and it's really critical, okay? So I told you that, uh, that these disciples were following Jesus, and then he, the last thing he did was he gave them a mission. Well, Jesus ascends into heaven, and things start to kind of go crazy, and Jesus' disciples are standing around, and a bunch of people are seeing crazy things happening. And there's this uh, leader named Peter. Oh, that, that was nice, right? This leader named Peter. And Peter 
decides to stand up in front of this group of people and he decides he's going to tell them and preach to them about Jesus. You know, that, that whole thing that Jesus, right before he sent it into heaven, he said, hey, I want you to go and do this. Like Peter does this in this moment. I want you to see this play out. Acts chapter 2 in verse 36. Um, crazy things are happening. A whole bunch of people are gathered around and Peter stands up before them and he starts to preach Jesus. And here's what he says. This is in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I'm going to pause there. He's talking to a group of Jewish people who had just 40 days earlier led to the revolt that led to Jesus being crucified. But these same people have been crying out for generation after generation after generation, we need hope, we need a savior, we need a Messiah, we've had one promised, where is he? And what Peter is saying to him, yo, you killed the one you've been looking for. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are, watch this, who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It said that they were cut to the heart when they had this realization of who Jesus was. And friends, I said that everything changes when the heart changes. But I want you to know and understand this, that the only way a heart can change is if God's spirit changes it. That's the only way. Now, you may, might, might make up your mind to try to be a better person and stop doing less harmful things and maybe not cuss as much or smoke as much or sell as much dope or whatever that ends up being, right? You might decide you want to do those things, but the reality is, is that a real change of heart does not change unless God's spirit does the work of changing it. The, the cutting of their heart, they said, as they heard this, that it said that they were cut to the heart. That was God's spirit doing surgery on them, trying to fix their heart. He said, I want to give you a new heart. And 3,000 people responded in that moment. Because when the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the grace and the mercy and the love and the kindness and the hope and the joy and all of the things that come along with putting our hope and trust and faith in Christ Jesus, we have no choice but to respond to that. Because when we look at it and we look at him versus our existence, there's a, there's a paradigm there that we have to consider, what does this mean? And that's what they asked. What, what does this mean? What do we do? How do we respond to this? And that's why we want to reach people who are far from God. The, the other half of our, our vision statement says we want to then teach them how to live as they follow Jesus step by step. We want to teach them how to live as they follow Jesus step by step. After we have a new heart, things start to change in how we live and how we think and how we operate. Now, right after these people had this moment, Peter preaches Jesus, 3,000 of them respond. They actually had to start living 
this life a little differently. And right after that, I want you to see it. It it just follows right along in that scripture in verse 42. It then tells us what it looked like for the way that they lived their life after they had a new heart. It says this in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That's uh, for us. That's like, oh man, I've got a new heart. I need to be around God's word. I need to be around the teaching of it. I need to be around people who see it and love it and believe it and want it to shift their life as well. The breaking of bread into prayer, they realized that they needed community. And oh, by the way, breaking of bread is not only filling to the belly, but it's filling to the spirit. Because God, God says that his word is the daily bread. It's the bread of life. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Friend, how many of us are looking for God to move amongst us, to see his hand at work in this earth, to see something incredible happen that changes things in our environment, in our culture, in our country? We all desire these things, and they stood in awe and wonder at God moving amongst them. I love it. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Man, how great would it be if we got and rallied around the idea that Christ Jesus is Lord and all the other crazy stuff that we argue about, we can talk about it behind closed doors, but we we can be unified around these common beliefs. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What would it look like if we had a heart who led us to be generous to people, to take care of others? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So by the way, not only does God use the gospel of Jesus to cut to the heart, he also uses changed hearts to live out a life that is an example for others, that is attractive and draws them in, and others want what they've got. One of my favorite things, one of the greatest compliments anyone can ever give me is they say, hey man, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. I see something on you. I can't explain it. And I know what it is. I know it's Christ Jesus alive and burning in my heart. That's the difference in me. That's what makes me different. Not a great personality, not an unbelievable communicator, not a great husband or dad. Man, I'm probably mediocre in every bit of those things. But the only thing that makes me great is Christ Jesus great in me. This is how they live their lives. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to actually talk about the other three parts and the other three stakes that we put into the ground of the way that we live our life. But the heart of this church is to reach people far from God and teach them how to follow Jesus as they live step by step. That's our heart. And so today, I told you I was going to preach a long time. Today, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this one simple question. Do you want and need everything to change in your life? What are the things in your life that actually are going to take a change of your heart to see come to pass? Question for you. Where have you put down the stake in the ground of your heart? Have you put a stake in the ground that Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior? You put your faith and trust in him, and no matter what comes, that this stake holds anchor into the ground of a crazy world, and that this is what holds you down 
This is what holds down part of your life, that the stake of your heart has been put into the ground and Christ Jesus is the one who hammered it in. Is that true of you? Do you need hope today? Do you need joy? Love? Purpose? What is it that you seek today? I believe when our heart changes that everything can change. Because when you hear this good news of who Jesus is, he's God's one and only son. I've already said this before, I'll say it to you again. But he came to this earth and lived a perfect life, born of a virgin. He ultimately was called himself, he called his own shot. He said, I'm God. And because of that, he was put on trial, convicted, put on a cross. And in that moment on the cross, he paid the price for your sin and for mine. This is God's love for you. That while you and I were not even an apple in our mama's eye, we were still sinners. Christ already died for us. He paid the price for us. But not only did he die and pay the price for you, he took claim over death, hell, and the grave because he resurrected. He got up out of the grave. If Jesus had not got up out of the grave, his claims to be God and anything other than a normal human would have been null and void. But because he lives, we have hope. We have hope. We have something to believe in, something greater to hope for. And he walked this earth with people that then wrote down what it looked like and told us how we're to live our life. And these people were confronted with this reality of who Jesus is to them. And they were cut to the heart and said, what do we do? How do we respond? How, how is this possible that my sin can be forgiven? How is this possible that I can be made right with God when from my birth I've been separated because of the sin in my life? How can it be that God can make me right in his eyes, make me pure, holy, righteous, change my heart of stone into a heart of flesh and literally shift every part of my life that's gone wrong? How is this possible? Because I want it. How do I respond to this? Acts 2 and 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And so I will leave you with this today. What will you do? What will you do? How will you respond to the good news gospel of who Jesus really is, what he's done for you, and the life that he calls you to? Scripture tells us that the only way our heart can change is if God's spirit changes us. And this is how the spirit works. When you hear this good news of Jesus, he opens your heart to receive him. And right now you're sitting and, man, you, you, I might have shared some vision for our, our church, but what you heard was there's something that I'm missing in my life and I've never put my trust in Jesus. And God is opening your heart right now to receive him by his spirit. He wants to change your heart. And so I'll just simply ask you this. How will you respond? Friends, over the next few moments, Emily's going to lead us in a song. I don't want you to remain in your seat. And I want you just to consider the words. I want you to just consider what God might be doing in your heart right now, in this moment, today.
and asking you, how will you respond? And then I'm going to come back and give you a moment to respond. Let me pray. Father, over these next few moments, I pray that you would speak to your people, that you would minister to them, that you would make yourself known, that your spirit would open their heart, and that they would respond and ask, how can it be? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.